0: This is a podcast about Jeopardy!
1: Hello and welcome to Potent Potables, your weekly Jeopardy! podcast where two former competitors bring you recaps and analysis of the week's Jeopardy! episodes, a deep dive into a topic inspired by one of those episodes, and a quiz. I'm Emily.
0: And I'm Kyle. And this is the week of September 20th, 2021. Uh, this is the return of Mime Bialik as host uh, after the departure of Mike Richards. <laughs> and more importantly, this is the return of Matt Amodio uh, and his 24th show today. So on Monday, we have the contestants Tracy Pitzel, an accountant from Ellensburg, Washington. Carlo and Julie, a postdoctoral researcher from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And Matt Amodio, a PhD student from New Haven, Connecticut, whose 23-day cash winnings total $825,801. And the Jeopardy! round categories are books and authors, common bonds, alliterative people, lizards, a word in Spanish, and ventriloquism for dummies.
1: I feel like we had a lot of people being a little bit um, spicy about matt Amodio's style of answering questions this week mm-hmm. a lot of which is just nonsense i'm seeing a lot of objections to his non-grammatical um use of what's
0: right like we've been over this
1: yeah. <laughs> it's been months yes <laughs> like <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah come on yeah he did have a little interview segment that got released on Jeopardy's social media, mm-hmm. basically just saying that he had made a decision to commit to a very simple question word to use consistently, rather than fussing over how best to phrase the questions. Right. Which I think we had speculated that that was the case mm-hmm.
0: because um, it's acceptable. But it
1: was- yep, mm-hmm. it's totally acceptable. I did. Um, I did see some questioning of times when they took just a last name from him where people thought that there should have been more than that required because there was ambiguity, such as at the $400 level of alliterative people. The clue was his assassination sparked a war to end all wars, and they had a picture. Matt rang in and said, what's Ferdinand? Mm-hmm. And that was accepted. Franz Ferdinand, of course, is the Ferdinand in question. Yes,
0: this was not the bull from the children's stories.
1: Yes, or, or like Ferdinand and Isabella Ferdinand, right? True. Um, uh,
0: that The next clue down in that category actually came earlier, but the $600 clue had some interesting neg bait for, you know, people who just like see a Pavlov. Uh, one of the greatest songs he's written is Send in the Clowns from A Little Night Music. And if you know that Ina Klein and Knox music is A Little Night Music, as probably Carlo does, uh, he rang in and said, who is Mozart? Mm-hmm. The title is actually in English. That's Stephen Sondheim. Um, Also, (laughs) Wolfgang Mozart is not alliterative, but the Pavlov Mm -hmm. of A Little Night Music and Mozart was clearly very strong.
1: Yes, I I totally understood where he was coming from and I felt for him. Carlo also had an unfortunate miss at the $200 level of a word in Spanish. Mm -hmm. Uh, The clue there was a Spanish idiom for don't worry about it. Literally, nothing happens is no pasa this word. And Carlo rang in and said, what is de nada? Uh, he was ruled incorrect. That turned into a triple stumper. And they were looking for just nada. Um, the category title, a word in Spanish, is what they pointed to. It needed to be a single word. De nada is two words. Two words. Yep. I don't want to assume, but I c- thought it was likely that Carlo was maybe a Spanish speaker, and the whole thing struck me as awkward.
0: Hmm. It did feel awkward. Yes, I will agree there.
1: Yeah, daily double number one comes up at the eight hundred dollar level of books and authors. It is just the second clue of the round, and Tracy finds this one. She's gotten the thousand dollar clue as the first, uh, as the first clue, so she has just a thousand uh, and wagers it all. Um, and Matt and Carlo are at zero, of course. And her clue is, War and Peace opens in this year, seven years before a fateful invasion. She says, oh, what is 1784? But they are looking for 1805. So she drops to zero.
0: Do, do you know a, a fateful invasion in
1: 1791?
0: I don't. I don't either. I'm not saying there wasn't one. There probably was, but.
1: Yeah the Haitian Revolution began in 1791. I'm looking up what happened in 1791. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what she might have been thinking of. Um
0: or 17 or it's like 70 if she got the 7 years backwards, 1777 mm-hmm. would have been around 1776. I don't yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But it's a date.
1: But 1812 is what your uh, what they were looking for, um, and the the War of eighteen twelve,
0: yeah, the Napoleonic invasion of, yes. of Russia,
1: yeah, yes, exactly. I read War and Peace this year, and I I had a hard time following it. Too many characters, and they all have nicknames, and it got very confusing. And uh, at a certain point, I just started like <laughs> reading the pages, even though I couldn't remember who the people were. And sometimes it made sense, and sometimes it didn't. I don't think I would recommend that approach. Anyway, at the end of the Jeopardy round, uh, Matt is in a solid lead with 11,400, Tracy's at 3,000, Carlos at negative 800, and we have the double Jeopardy round, Greats in History, Youthful Pop Stars, Starts with B, Oh My Gods, American Lakes, and Food Fights Back. Mm -hmm.
0: Speaking of, I'm just going to go straight to Daily Double number two. Uh, It was in the Greats in History category at the $1,200 level, pick number eight, Matt found it. He was up to 17000 at this point. Carla was at zero, and Tracy was at 7400 And speaking of, like, people being concerned that he did not give enough of an answer, uh, but was ruled correct anyway, uh, the clue was, A great and prolific builder, this pharaoh dedicated one of his temples at Abu Simbel to his favorite queen, Nefertari. And he said, What's Ramses? That is correct. Specifically, it was Ramses the Second or Ramses the Great. Mm-hmm. However, Great is in the category, and Great was in the the clue. So, in my opinion, Great did not need to be provided. Yeah, because it was already provided.
1: Yeah, probably. Think- and
0: there's their opinion as well.
1: Also, he yeah. wagered
0: seven thousand on that. I didn't. I didn't mention that, but it was another big another big wager.
1: I think we had Tiffany as a correct response twice this week. But in very different contexts. Mm. Uh, so, at the two thousand dollar level of youthful pop stars in nineteen eighty-seven, a month after her sixteenth birthday, this single named singer topped the charts with "I Think We're Alone Now," uh, and Tracy got that one. Uh, that's Tiffany, apparently a pop singer. I did not. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Nor did I. Yeah. Um, Daily Double number three comes up as the 13th pick in the Oh My Gods category at the $1,200 level. And Carlo finds this one. He's at $400. He wagers $2,000. Matt's at $26,000 at this point and Tracy's at $9,400. So good for Carlo for uh, making the maximum wager. He gets the clue. Amulius wanted Mars's sons Romulus and Remus drowned in this river, but turns out Rome wasn't going to found itself. Um, And he correctly responds, what is the Tiber? Mm -hmm. I I was surprised nobody could come up with the um, primate that starts with B, of which Guinea is a small species. Tracy tried what is a monkey. That doesn't start with B. She forgot the category, I assume. Um, uh, And then Matt tried what's bonobo, which is, that's that's a better guess. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, baboon is what they were looking for. I wasn't familiar with the Guinea... Baboon specifically. Yeah, me neither. Um,
0: Yeah. Uh, So at the end of the double jeopardy round, Matt is at thirty three thousand two hundred, which is not a lock because Tracy is at seventeen thousand, and Carlo is at sixteen hundred. The category is nineteen eighties movies. The clue. The dip used to kill characters in this 1988 film consisted of acetone, benzene, and turpentine—ingredients of paint thinner. Carlo was the only one to get it correct. He got it correct with who? What's who framed Roger Rabbit? Which really it could have just put who framed Roger Rabbit, because that is a question. Mm, that's true. Um, but they were probably told to write what uh, before, and he wagered a mere five dollars. Tracy wrote what is Dune. The spice must flow. And uh, that is incorrect. She wagered 16,600, which is an appropriate amount to, mm-hmm. to wager. Uh, yeah. But she you know, got it incorrect, so she drops down. And Matt also missed it with what is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, probably thinking of when the Ark opens and people's faces melt off. Um, yeah. But uh, he wagered 2,000. So, you know, if there was... If there was a moment that could have been, you know, Matt's downfall, it was that if Tracy had got that right, she'd have won. But she didn't. Mm-hmm. And he remains champion. That's the way it goes.
1: Yeah. So on Tuesday, we have the contestants, John Class, a logistics manager from Huntington Beach, California, Melissa John Guisti, a corporate attorney from Salisbury, Massachusetts, and Matt Amodio, a Ph.D. student from New Haven, Connecticut, whose 24-day cash winnings total $857,001. My daughter asked me, how many, how many cars could you buy with that? Uh Depends on
0: the car, kid. It's
1: like, it really depends on the car. She's like, how many houses then? I'm like, "Mm." Okay, it
0: depends on the house. (laughs)
1: Less than one to several, (laughs) depending. Depending on Uh, what and where. Yeah. We have the Jeopardy round categories. The Great Divide, One Word Book Titles, Let's Booze It Up, which they could have called Potent Potables, Color Me Good, Penny Ante, and Decipher Our Top Secret (laughs) code. I,
0: which I don't know, like, it was
1: not, it was not challenging. It was not
0: challenging. And like, um, I mean, and when we got to the end of the category and Mayim said, did you you figure figure it it out? out? Yeah, yeah, of course they figured it out. They got them all right. Like,
1: what do you, you, <laughs> you- Yes, yeah. Uh. Um, uh, the, the code was, like, A equals one, B equals two. Like, if you were, like, a four-year-old trying to come up with your first code, do do normal people come up with codes when they're four? Probably not. Uh,
0: um, probably normal <laughs> listeners of our podcast.
1: Yes, there we go. Um, so, yes. Uh, so, if you all think back to the very first code you came up with, it's that one. hmm um, yeah, <laughs>
0: it probably is that one.
1: <laughs> it's that one. Yeah, um, yeah. So it, like, they obviously had figured it out, and I don't know. It, it, it that, that moment struck me as a little patronizing.
0: Yeah, or like <laughs> very clearly scripted. Yeah, yeah. It just that was weird. Daily double number one is in the color me good category at the six hundred dollar level. Uh, Matt finds it p- pick number sixteen. He is already up to 7,400 over Melissa's zero and John's negative 600. And he bets it all. And he gets the clue. On October 2nd, 1976, the game was over for Dave Wagstaff of the Blackburn Rovers, the first English player ousted with this. And he got it correct with what is a red card. I don't know. Like, I, I certainly did not know that 76 was like the, the beginning of the red card and i as i reflected on it i was like do i think that it was earlier or later cuz 76 mm. seemed weird to me but i was like also am i assuming that it is a newer thing or an older thing i don't know i'd never thought yeah. about it
1: yeah that's that's weird like thinking about red cards as they like not all that much older than me <laughs> <laughs> i don't know that's that's yeah. that's strange i guess i would i would assume it was older yeah
0: so at the end of the Jeopardy round, Matt is up to 18,600. Melissa is at 1,200 and John is at 800. And we get the double Jeopardy categories, Abdication Nation, Classical Music, The Cell, Awards and Prizes, Movie Series by Sequel, and New to the OED.
1: New to the OED was, a, was an interesting category.
0: It, it was. Um, A lot of of these newer words have um, contextual meaning mm -hmm. in today's world.
1: Yeah. The interaction of the 1200 was interesting. I thought much in the news. This verb means to withdraw financing from an institution. Matt tried what's divest. Uh, That's incorrect. They were looking for defund. Yep. To withdraw financing from an institution. I guess divest doesn't really fit.
0: Yeah. it. Yeah, divest feels like more like removing it from an investment, you know?
1: Yes. Divest in my circles comes up in regards to like fossil fuels and climate stuff, encouraging, you know, like large institutes, like, you know, pressuring like universities in particular to divest. Mm-hmm. From oil and other things like that. Um, but also in regards to Israel, right. um, like as a, as a way of kind of putting pressure on like the Israel Palestine issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought it was, it was Mayim, was she born in Israel or did she, I'm trying to remember I do not know. what her, I'm, I'm pretty sure she has a connection. Yeah, she was, she was definitely not born in Israel but kind of a vocal modern Orthodox person with um, who it's clear that Israel is close to her heart. Mm. Yeah. So I, I just, that, that felt uncomfortable to me for a moment Mm. or, or like made me wonder if it was uncomfortable on the set. Oh, I focused so much on, Divest that then we didn't even touch on defund, which has its own whole, uh, whole context these days. But anyway. But we probably
0: know that, listeners. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they do. So the daily double number two is at, uh, the $2,000 level of abdication nation. It's the fourth pick and John finds it and he has 2000 at this point, which also is the maximum bet. So he makes it a true daily double. Matt's at 21,800 at this point, and Melissa's at 1,200. And John gets the clue. In 1689, the English Parliament announced that this king, the second, abdicated, was allowed to escape is probably more accurate. He tried who is Charles II, but this is James II. Mm-hmm. So he drops to 0 Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. Right time period. Uh- mm-hmm.
1: Kyle, did you have anything you wanted to talk about in the classical music category?
0: Uh, No, other than just like Norwegian composer is Grieg.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You don't have to know anything about the music that is mentioned. If it says Norwegian composer, it's Grieg. Mm -hmm. Uh, Daily Double number three is in the awards and prizes category. It is at the $2,000 level. Matt also finds this one. This is a big moment as well. He's at $36,200 and he wagers 15,000. Now, uh, you know, Melissa's at 2,000, John is at 1,600. It's not like he's in danger of risking his lock with that bet. But he gets a clue named for a British man. This prestigious award is funded by Google and Intel and given for contributions in computer science. And he uh, there's a lot of talk on the on on the Twitter about like the burden of knowledge and he probably just knows too much and he goes to uh, what's Berners-Lee? But that's the Turing Award.
1: Yes, indeed. So that drops him down quite a bit. Um, but he still finishes Double Jeopardy with a lock game, albeit a smaller one. He's at 23,200 at the end of Double Jeopardy. Melissa is at 3600 and John is at 2000. And the final Jeopardy category is children's books. And the clue is a book by her says, it is said that the effect of eating too much lettuce is soporific. But then I am not a rabbit. That is two rabbit final Jeopardy clues in a row. Mm -hmm. Um, John has the correct response. Who is Potter? Um, and he's wagered a thousand, uh, brings him up to 3000. Melissa also responded, who is Potter? She's wagered 3000, bringing her up to 6,600. So she'll finish in second place. And Matt has the correct response as well with who is Potter? That is Beatrix Potter, of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, we did. A deep dive on her way Way back. back. One of the
0: first, one of the earliest.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. So if you want to learn more about who Beatrix Potter is and her life, you can go find that in the back catalog. Um, Matt makes it back up to 36,200, which is right where he was before that daily double. (laughs) And uh, that makes him the winner and 25 day champion.
0: That's right. So on Wednesday, we have the contestants Christopher Stuckey, a communications specialist from Bloomington, Illinois, Paula Scheider, a a ROI trainer from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Matt Amodio, a PhD student from New Haven, Connecticut, whose 25 day cash winnings are now $893, $893, $893,201. We have the Jeopardy round categories, what a week. On Wednesday. <laughs> I feel that Jeopardy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> acronyms and abbreviations, National Park Countries, Air Travel, Movie Time, and New York News Clues. Mm-hmm.
1: I was worried for a little bit that they were going to leave the video clues for dead last, mm. which you should not do in the Jeopardy round. Right. And they are going, like, if there are video clues on the board, I've said this before, but you know what? We're going to repeat it. If there are video clues on the board, they want to use those video clues in that game. Uh And that means that they're going to let the Jeopardy round run over time and make up the time by cutting the double Jeopardy short. And you do not want that. So, go to those video clues if they're in the Jeopardy round. In the double Jeopardy round, go where you want because you know they don't have a future round to cut time from but we've we've seen a lot of games where very lengthy video clues in the jeopardy round left for last mean that then you leave like a whole bunch of money on the board in double jeopardy mm-hmm. so the daily double of the jeopardy round was really the highlight of um <laughs> Of Twitter for the day, uh, and end of this end of this round, it was in the acronyms and abbreviations category at the eight hundred dollar level, and Matt found it at the sixteenth pick. He had eight thousand at that point. Christopher was at sixteen hundred. Paula was in the red at negative four hundred, and he made a true daily double and got the clue. The cosmetics brand E L F is an acronym for these three areas where its products are used. And he tried what's ears, lips, face, Um, but that is incorrect. They were looking for eyes, lips, face. Um, Eyes are, I'm not saying nobody's ever put makeup on their ears, but eyes are are a more common facial feature. Typically, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it, (laughs) it happens. Yeah. Yeah. But it was funny elF changed their logo on Twitter for a little bit uh, to <laughs> to ears lip face. I, I think that was real. maybe somebody spoofed it but I, I think it I think that was a real thing so that that was that was fun and uh Matt has been a good sport about it and made a decent recovery mm-hmm. by the end of the jeopardy round. so at the end of the jeopardy round Christopher was in the lead with 3400. Matt has 3200 has made it out of the red and is at 600. And we have the double Jeopardy categories: World History, inspired characters, the fact of the matter, art and design, comedy on TV, and blank R blank M. Kenya came up twice in this game. Yes. Wait. wait was it was it actually twice, or was it, oh you know what it was an incorrect response in the Jeopardy round, yeah. right? And then a correct response in the double jeopardy round. Um, so, yeah, the $1,000 level in the jeopardy round of national park countries, they were looking for it in what country would you find Serengeti National Park? Um, and that's not Kenya, it's Tanzania. Mm-hmm. But we did have Kenya in the world history category uh, of the double jeopardy round at the $2,000 level. As a result of the Mau Mau movement against colonial rule, a state of emergency was called in this country in 1952. And Matt got that one. That's Kenya. Uh, We talked about that in a deep dive. Yes. Kenya's colonial history. Um,
0: We had an interesting miss in the inspired characters category, uh, $1,200 level. Neil Cassidy was called The Adonis of Denver by Allen Ginsberg and was the model for Dean Moriarty in this novel. And Paula guessed what is Atlas Shrugged. I wonder, I just wonder why.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm confused by that. Did did Adonis trigger something for her? Like maybe a like a I don't know like a like a mythology connection. <laughs> I I don't
0: I don't know either. I have no yeah. idea. Um, I mean maybe maybe it yeah. did, and I just <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. But uh, but uh, yeah. Christopher got it with, with on the road. Yeah, Denver was a a big spot for the beat mix.
1: In mm-hmm. case you
0: did not know that. Daily Devil number two is pick number two. It's in the Inspired Characters category at the $1,600 level. Matt found it, and he was at $4,800 to Paula's $600 and Christopher's $3,400. He wagered everything, and he got the clue. Leon Rom, a leader of King Leopold's Congo Death Squad, is thought by some to have inspired this 1902 Joseph Conrad character. And he gets it correct with who is Kurtz? Mr. Kurtz?
1: Mm -hmm. He did. That's right. And daily double number three is in the fact of the matter at the $1,600 level as well. And Matt also finds this one as the 13th pick. He has 17,200 by this point. Christopher's at 8,600. Paul is at 600. And Matt wagers 10,000 and gets the clue. All matter shares this physical property that keeps it from responding instantly to any attempt to change its state of motion. And he gets that one correct with what is inertia. What's inertia? Mm -hmm. We did have our second iteration of Tiffany Mm -hmm. in this round um, in the art and design category at the $800 level. In 1894, this American known for his Art Nouveau lamps created an iridescent glass he called Favril. That's Tiffany, not the pop star. (laughs) Or so we assume. Yeah. um,
0: We don't know. I've never seen them in the same room. That's all I'm saying.
1: That's <laughs> a it's a fair point. Yeah, Lewis Comfort Tiffany was his uh the name of that guy. Um the name of that guy. yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> at the end of the double jeopardy round, Matt is at 33,200, which is a lock position over Paula's 3,000 and Christopher's 13,800. Uh, they get the final Jeopardy category: landmarks, and the clue: "96 miles in total during its three-decade existence." The most well-known part of this was about the same length as an Olympic marathon. Paula and Christopher both made the same mistake. They bo- they both got the made the same wrong uh, guess. They both wrote, "What is the Appian Way?" Uh, Paula wagered twenty nine ninety nine, so she drops down to a dollar. Christopher wagered five thousand, so he drops down to eighty eight hundred um but matt got it correct with what is the berlin wall and he Mm -hmm. wagered three thousand so he was up to thirty six thousand two hundred yeah it's interesting that they both went to the appian way like i i realize that's like an ancient thing and so if you think about like the marathon also being an ancient thing i i guess that might have led you there
1: yeah yeah i guess i guess that's probably the connection they and they both made
0: Or maybe they know a lot about it and maybe it's about 96 miles long. Maybe they, I don't know. Yeah. Um, But no, it was the Berlin Wall.
1: So on Thursday, we have the contestants Gohan Venkatesen, an undergrad student and EMT from New Providence, New Jersey. Carolyn Minkus, an ophthalmologist from Minneapolis, Minnesota. And Matt Amodio, a PhD student from New Haven, Connecticut, who has won twenty-six games at this point and is at nine hundred twenty-nine thousand four hundred and one dollars. So we're getting really close to a to a whole another digit mm-hmm. in that number. We have the Jeopardy Round categories literary terms, sports venue nicknames, World War II Navajo Code Talkers Dictionary, Money Idioms. Peak. That's P-E-A-K. And my interest. I'm pretty sure that in the expression to peak interest, it's peak P-I-Q-U-E. Yeah, it
0: is. It is.
1: Right. I f- I see that one. Like I, I I see like the homonyms of peak mm-hmm. used frequently because I think it's not that common of an expression, and people aren't quite. To- like and like the other like the homonyms of peak also make enough sense with the expression anyway um <laughs> we had we had Matt counting on his fingers again mm-hmm. to make sure that he got the correct five words that come after juliet's good night good night he got it though parting is such sweet sorrow mm-hmm. lots of struggles with the sports venue nicknames yeah um, which Fair enough. Yeah, I guess. Oh, people wanted to fuss about Matt saying "What's Florida?" Right for uh, the stadium of this Gainesville school is officially Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, but it's nicknamed the Swamp. And Matt rang in and said, "What's Florida?" Um, and they accepted that for the University of Florida. I don't really. I can't. I can't claim to know what sports fans call things but I I am told that when you say Florida you mean the University of Florida
0: well yeah whenever you're talking about it already establishes school like it doesn't it doesn't stipulate university mm-hmm. but like we it's it is common when you're talking about colleges and universities that if it's the university of you just mm-hmm. say it right right like here did you go to Colorado no I went to Colorado State like, oh okay
1: yeah mm-hmm
0: Daily Double number one is in that sports venue nicknames category. It is at the $600 level, pick number 25, so it's pretty late in the round, but Guhan finds it, not Matt. He's at $3,400. Matt is only at $5,800, like, you know, because, of course, Matt hasn't found the Daily Double yet. Uh, and Carolyn's at 2200 Both They both were, uh, Carolyn and Guhan were both in it throughout the Really the whole game, they they were getting in on the buzzer a lot more than a lot of other contestants have been. He wagers 1500 uh, of his 3400 and he gets a clue. Home to an NHL team, the SAP Center in this California city is nicknamed the Shark Tank. And he gets that correct with what is San Jose, mm-hmm. home of the Sharks.
1: I saw an interesting Twitter thread about this Daily Double from an account. I can't remember can't remember like the specific Twitter handle. I'm trying to find it now. But it was an account that really focuses on Jeopardy wagering stuff Uh, uh, that pointed out
0: He should have bet more.
1: (laughs) Not only should he have bet more, but if he had made it a true daily double and then the rest of the game had proceeded in exactly the same way that it proceeded, they would have been in a lock tie position with him having exactly half of Matt's total. That's a good point. At- the end of double jeopardy, the difference between like where he landed and where he, you know, what would have happened if he doubled up could have been the difference between winning and losing this game. Now, the game might not have proceeded in exactly the way that it.
0: Right. There's proceeded. no way to know. But yeah.
1: Yeah. But it's it's very interesting to, to think about, you know, that if he had doubled up there, you know, what, what would have happened? Right.
0: Yeah. So at the end of the Jeopardy round, Matt is at sixty-four hundred. Carolyn's at two thousand, and Gohan is at fifty-five hundred. We get the double Jeopardy categories: historic women, superlatives. Welcome to Comet Con, revival, hmm. role players, and definitions with "def" in quotation marks.
1: Hmm. I can't remember if this was on her. On her Facebook page or if it was on Twitter, but I think I think Rachel Paterno Mahler, who was a who was a guest on the podcast uh, a while back, was not a big fan of some of these comment questions. (laughs) I think she she thought the wording was inaccurate. I could. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah. I don't I, I don't have more specific information than that at this time. (laughs) <laughs> I, I seem to remember her saying that they should hire someone with some with some uh some physics and astronomy training to uh to work on these questions and, and that she's available
0: i do uh, yes
1: to serve yeah um i thought gohan's miss on the two thousand dollar level of role players i thought was charming mm. um <laughs> Uh, Sulu in recent Star Trek films and Kumar's pal Harold Lee, he rang in and said, Who is Cal Penn? and then, like, immediately, like, you know, slapped his forehead, like, Ugh, because Cal Penn is is Kumar, right? Not Harold, Mm -hmm. John Cho is Sulu and Harold, right? Every nerd's favorite word, defenestrate, yes, came up. (laughs) <laughs> the $2,000 level is everyone's favorite word. Yep.
0: <laughs> I had the same kind of thought. I was like, oh, that's a fun word.
1: Everybody loves that, love word. that word. We love that word. Yep. Daily double number two is at the $800 level of superlatives as the 12th pick. Caroline finds this one. Uh, Matt's at $10,000. Guhan's at $9,500. Carolyn makes it a true daily double. Good job, Carolyn. And gets the clue, before woman alive, this word is often applied to multiple Olympic champion Elaine Thompson-Hurrah of Jamaica. And she thinks about it for a moment and then gets it correct with what is fastest. Fastest woman alive. I thought that question was a little challenging to parse. Although I managed. I
0: did too. I The way it was... Yeah, I agree. It's it's oddly worded.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Daily Devil number three is in the revival category. It's at the $1,600 level. Matt finds it. Uh, he's at $10,400. Carolyn's at 4800 Guhan's at 9500 And he bets it all. He really wants to get in a locked position. Yep. I mean, it makes it easier <laughs> for, for Final Jeopardy. Mm-hmm. I don't blame him. And he gets the clue, search Etsy for the revival of this 19th century movement of William Morris that itself looked back to the fine work of medieval times.
1: Again, this is a very difficult question to parse, I thought. Yeah,
0: and he gets it correct with what's arts and crafts. And I, yeah, I, I was sh- like blown away. I was like, are they talking about romanticism? Like what?
1: Yep. Wh- mm-hmm. What?
0: as arts and crafts so i guess you yep. know that william morris is associated with arts and crafts
1: yes i guess so i think that's that had to be how he got there
0: or to know that it's yeah okay the arts and crafts movement was william morris mm-hmm. okay yeah yeah i had, i i had no idea but he did
1: yeah incredible yes that was that was impressive so at the end of the double Jeopardy round, um, Matt's at 26,800, which is a lock position. Uh, Carolyn's at 9,200. Guhan's at 11,500. And they get the final Jeopardy category, food and drink in the Bible. And the clue, in the King James Version, these creatures are a plague in Exodus 10, but deemed okay to eat in Leviticus 11. And uh, we've talked about that. Jeopardy keeps specifying in the King James Version because there are so many translations of the Bible. And if somebody gives an an unexpected wrong answer, it puts them in a tricky fact-checking position. And, you know, mm-hmm. if you can, yeah. Anyway, I'm not sure that they really need King James Version here. Uh, I think the chapters are going to really pin it. But anyway, Carolyn has responded, what are locusts? That is correct. The eighth plague on Egypt. Leviticus 11 would be, I think, like in the in the like the law of Moses. So like where we find like the dietary laws about like pork is a familiar one and shellfish, right? No pork, no shellfish, like don't mix milk and meat, like locusts are kosher. Mayim also notes that John eats locusts and wild honey in the New Testament, um, which he would not have done if they were not kosher. True, right? Yeah. Carolyn's wagered 8,000. So that brings her up to 17,200. And Guhan also has the correct response with what are locusts and he's wagered 11,493 bringing him up to 22,993. And Matt wrote down what are locusts and then crossed it out and changed it to frogs.
0: Yeah. Like the only thought I had with this was like, maybe locusts is too obvious. And the trick is that it's actually frogs.
1: Yeah. I have no idea whether frogs are kosher. I would guess not.
0: I believe we have some like practicing Jewish listeners, so they could let us know. Mm
1: Mm-hmm yeah uh yeah so so Matt wrote down locusts and changed it to frogs um frogs are a plague, but don't fit with the Leviticus eleven part mm-hmm. and he wagered a thousand uh that drops him to twenty five thousand eight hundred
0: which again if if Guhan had been in a better position
1: yes um and the uh Matt is so so the the jeopardy wagering Twitter um, really wanted to know if Matt were in first place in a lock tie position, would he wager the dollar or would he wager zero? And he says, he says he will wager the dollar every time. So
0: confidence. there.
1: mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Which
0: I mean, he clearly has a much greater knowledge base than I do. I am not attempting to put myself over him, but he has missed a number of final jeopardies.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: So I mean, Um, I don't know, man.
1: Yeah, he also. I mean, great buzzer dominance. I, I, you yeah, know. Yeah, I, I
0: feel like you could. I don't know. I, I yeah, if I were him, I'd like in his shoes with his ability, I feel like I would be more confident in a tiebreak. So. Yeah. But. Agreed. But whatever, you know. I mean, yeah. he said what he said. I believe him that he would do that.
1: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah.
0: So on Friday we have the contestants Rebecca Fox an administrative assistant from Pasadena, California, Troy Posirikidis, a written communications specialist from Santa Monica, California, and Matt Amodio, a PhD student from New Haven, Connecticut, whose 27-day cash winnings total $955,201. And as my Bialik pointed out multiple times in this episode, Matt could, with a big payday, break the $1 million mark.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, we have the Jeopardy round categories, royalty around us. The Middle Ages, get togethers, and so forth with and in quotation marks. Channel number five. Mm. Yeah. It was a stretch. Channel number five.
1: Yeah. But hey, you know, I, I appreciate an attempted pun, I guess. Yeah. I mean,
0: they write a lot of clues. Yeah. It's, we can give some grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we've already mentioned this week. Was it this week or was it last week? It might have been last week, uh, mentioning my jazz deep dive. I think it was last week. But the $1,000 clue of royalty around us, a 1938 performance by this king of swing with his band marked one of the first ever major integrated concerts. Uh, and that is Benny Goodman. Matt got that correct. Mm-hmm. I, believe I talked about That's Benny right. Goodman band.
1: Yes. Being integrated. Yes, I remember that. You don't stump Matt altogether too often, um, but I I really appre- appreciated his perplexed face at the six hundred dollar level of get-togethers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the clue was as seen here; these parties were once all the rage, and I think it was like a like a maybe it was a black and white photo. It was black and white, yeah. Uh, with like stacks of like plastic food containers. Um, Troy got that one. It was Tupperware parties, yeah. And Matt seemed just. Just, I don't know if he couldn't quite make out the picture or just was not familiar with Tupperware parties as a thing. Um, Mm. But yeah, seldom see him quite that stumped.
0: But it is nice to see. Yeah. 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 A reminder to, to people, I guess, watching. I saw maybe it was really only one person. I don't know if more people felt this way. The $200 clue in number five was here's a fifth served up by this musician and completed in 1808. Uh, and they played a clip of Beethoven's Fifth Symphony of like the, you know, the opening thing, which most people can identify right away. And I, I saw somebody, you know, t- saying like, I'm shocked that nobody, you know, that it took that long for all three of the contestants to recognize Beethoven's Fifth. But the lights do not turn on like the buzzers don't turn on when the clip starts. It It is turned on at a certain point within the, the audio clip. So. I am sure they rang in as soon as they could.
1: Yeah, agreed. My uh, husband got um, confused for a second because he was like, wait, that's not a fifth. Um, that, <laughs> that, that opening interval. It's a it's a, it's a minor it's a, third. Yeah, minor third. Um, the interval is a minor third. Oh. The symphony is Beethoven's, it's Beethoven's fifth. fifth. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Daily Double number one is just the fifth pick. Of the round.
0: Speaking at, of fifths.
1: hmm At the $1,000 level of get-togethers. Matt finds it. He's at 3800 at this point, um, and the other two are both at zero. And he makes it a true daily double and gets the clue. Similar to a seminar, this small conference derives its name from Greek words meaning to drink together. Matt tries what is convention, but that's not correct. Symposium is the answer here.
0: Yeah. Speaking of stumping him. But mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Which I I mean I also did not get close to that. I, I immediately went to imbib even though I think that's Latin probably. Mm, yeah. Not Greek, yeah, that but,
1: is that is Latin. Yeah. Um together is uh SYM or SYN like in symphony, synagogue, synergy. So I thought of Greek for together and got to symposium, although I wasn't yes. totally confident about what the root wa- root word meaning to drink was. I mean, if
0: it's for potable.
1: Yeah, it might be. Is it the be. same thing? I, I I'm trying to check now. Uh, no, potable is from the Latin potare.
0: Well, never mind then. Didn't even want it to be from the Greek.
1: <laughs> Potas greek for president of the united states (laughs) yes (laughs) now i'm wondering if there's i think that like if you go far enough back greek and latin have a common sort of uh root like like language that that is like lost but is theorized so i'm i'm sort of curious if they might share like because pote and um potare sound like they could have something in common all right yeah Uh, i think so yeah you would think all right anyway at the end of the jeopardy round uh matt is in the lead at 6600 but just barely troys at 5600 rebecca is at 400 and we have the double jeopardy categories italy novels by quote furry road notable asian americans (laughs) signature songs and tough vocabulary
0: and Daily Double number two is pick number one, right off the bat, in the novels by quote category at the $1,600 level. Rebecca found it. She was only at 400 but she wagered 2000 Uh, And the other scores are obviously the same. She got the clue. One man's life or death were but a small price to pay for the acquirement of the knowledge which I sought. And she takes a guess with uh, what is A Tale of Two Cities.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: that is... Frankenstein, which we have talked about on the podcast.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that drops her down to negative 1600. And I don't think she made it out of the red at any point during the round. Yeah, she had a a handful of misses after that um, and bottomed out at negative 5200. And she was able to climb back up a little bit over the course of the round. She finished. She would finish the round uh, still in the red. I felt for her. Me too. Um, but betting the betting the maximum in the daily double was not an error.
0: No, that was and- definitely the right thing mm-hmm. to do. Yeah.
1: Yep. Nor was trying to get back in the game, although it can be hard once you're kind of panicking to gauge how risky to be. With uh, with guessing, we've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, but she did have a great get in the novels by quote category up at the twelve hundred dollar level. Um, the clue there was we would not talk of Manderley, I would not tell my dream, for Manderley was ours no longer. Uh, and she rang in, and Maya Bialik said Rebecca. And then Rebecca said, "What is Rebecca?" <laughs> uh, and
0: Which has got to be cheating. Mayim gave her the answer.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, that was that was great.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. What are the odds that a contestant mm-hmm. named Rebecca would be pulled for that game board?
1: Yep, was a good moment. Uh, Daily double number three is in the notable Asian Americans category at the twelve hundred dollar level, and Matt finds it at the eighth pick. He's at 12,600 to Troy's 4,000. Rebecca is in the red, negative 3,200. Matt wagers 6,000. And his clue is not a fan of rock music. He initially turned down the job of designing the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And he gets that one correct. That is I Am Pay.
0: So at the end of the Double Jeopardy round, Matt is in a lock position at 31,800. Troy is at 7,200. And Rebecca is at. Minus 4,000. So she does not get to play. Final Jeopardy category is History of the 19-teens. We get the clue. Saying he ignored warnings of enemy vessels, the British Admiralty sought to blame William Turner, this ship's last captain, in 1915. Uh, Troy wrote What is the Lusitania? Which is correct, and he wagered everything because it didn't matter. Mm Mm-hmm. Unless Matt made a math mistake, so might as well give yourself the best chance in case Matt overbets and gets it wrong. Um, so he doubles up. And Matt wrote, What is Titanic? crossed off Titanic and wrote Lusitania. So he ended up being correct and he wagered 17,000, which brought him up to 48,800, which brings him over the $1 million mark to $1,004,001. Total winnings.
1: It was a heartwarming moment I thought
0: it was it was and you know all the all the contestants who um, have fallen before his onslaught speak very highly of him they, yeah. they have all they have all been outspoken well not maybe not all of them but many of them those of them who I think are more active on social media have been outspoken about how just lovely a person he is mm-hmm. and which is great yeah. to hear very
1: yeah nice. that's what we like to hear
0: yes so that's the end of the week. And Matamodio is over a million dollars, and he is up to 28 days. If he wins out next week, he will pass James Holtzauer in number of days one. Mm. Right? Because that would be 29, 30, 31, 32, and 33. So if he gets to 33, right? Because James Mm -hmm. was 32.
1: That's right. At
0: at this pace, it'll take a while to beat the dollar amount, but the number of games will be there.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, we like to remind you at this point that we have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash potent We are uh, coming to you hat in hand at this point saying, if you listen and enjoy what we do, you know, slide us a few bucks. Because we believe we have at least triple digits of listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, if even if it's only like two bucks a month, uh, you know, that can that can give us the amount to be able to pay a a like reasonable and respectful amount to someone who could uh, take the audio editing uh, maybe off our hands mm-hmm. so that because uh, it does take a bit, takes takes yeah. some time. And, and that's our mm-hmm. that's our goal. That's our next thing. Yep. That's what we are putting that money toward. It's not just like going into our pockets. It's just like be able to do this podcast continuously in a more sustainable way. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you could check that out. Slide us a few bucks, uh, and we will, again, do our part to maybe add some more stuff to the Patreon, uh, and, you know, just just provide some more stuff. So check it out, patreon.com slash potentpotables. And also, of course, if you don't have that money, or you have to decide where it goes, there are, of course, more important things going on in our world, despite certain things getting better uh, and certain things getting worse. There are the age-old problems that we are still facing, particularly when it comes to social justice in our society. So we like to point you to blacklivesmatter.com, communityjusticeexchange.org, and the uh, Stop Asian Hate GoFundMe database. Mm -hmm. So check those out, too.
1: Yeah, it's important stuff. Yes.
0: All right, Emily.
1: All right, Kyle.
0: It's been a while since you've Guess a deep dive, just like in general, like it's been, a you know, a month yeah. and a half or whatever since it's been your turn. So what are we talking about?
1: Um, we're talking about Alan Turing.
0: We are not talking about Alan Turing. Okay. Because really, we... I'm just going to say watch um, The Imitation Game.
1: Oh, it's so it. good. So good. It's so, so good. good. Are we talking about elementary particles?
0: Yes, we're talking about elementary particles, Emily. <laughs>
1: i would would do a big victory dance but there really only were like eight or ten there were a little more than that but like there were not a whole lot of triple stumpers to pick from and a lot of them really i was like we're not talking about hellboy so (laughs) a bunch of these we can rule off are
0: you sure we're not yeah because i don't i don't know much i don't know hellboy um yes we are we are talking about elementary particles Yeah, it is on the Wednesday show, Double Jeopardy, Fact of the Matter, $800 level. Leptons and quarks are these basic particles that don't seem to be made up of smaller units of matter. It's dot, dot, dot. It was a triple stumper. Um, Those are elementary particles. And that is, of course, uh, referring to, you know, make make making a a pun off of Sherlock Holmes there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we're going to talk about briefly elementary particles. We call it a deep dive. It's not going to be particularly deep because a lot of this stuff... I can read the words to you. I cannot explain what it means. But for trivia people, if at least we can memorize some of the terms so that we hear one and it reminds us of the other, I think that's what we're, what we're really going for. You know, none of us are expected to be quantum physicists unless that's actually our job. So anyway, elementary particles. So in particle physics... An elementary particle, or fundamental particle, is a subatomic particle that is not composed of other particles. Particles currently thought to be elementary include the fundamental fermions, uh, which are quarks, leptons, antiquarks, and antileptons, and those are generally the matter particles and antimatter particles, as well as the fundamental bosons. Uh, which are the Gage boson and the Higgs boson, which was actually a correct response in another question uh, in that category. Uh, And those are known as the force particles uh, that mediate interactions between and among fermions. Uh, A particle containing two or more elementary particles is a composite particles. Uh, Ordinary matter is comprised of atoms, which were at one time presumed to be elementary particles, which is why they're called atoms. It comes from the Greek atomos, meaning unable to be cut, although plenty of atomic bombs have shown that it can be. But it wasn't until the 20th century that even the existence of the the atom was, like, you know, debatable. Subatomic particles were discovered, or at least identified in the 1930s, including the electron and the proton, as well as the photon And so all of these, like, they are smaller than atoms. They are parts of an atom. So we knew for a while that subatomic particles existed. Um, and then much more recently, scientists have discovered in the way that they discover, right? Like, it's hard, it's hard to like show a picture of a quark, right? But, you know, through observation and experimentation, they have determined that via quantum theory, protons and neutrons contain quarks, um, which are now considered elementary particles. The terminology saying now considered is because it's possible that we could discover that these are actually made up of smaller particles and it could just keep getting smaller and smaller. But right now, this is what we what we understand. And also within a molecule, the electrons three degrees of freedom, which are charge, spin and orbital, uh, can separate via the wave function <clears throat> into quasi particles, which are known as holon, spinon and orbiton. The elementary particles, elementary fermions and elementary bosons. Um, a fermion is a particle that follows Fermi-Dirac statistics and generally has half-odd integer spins, as in a spin of one-half or a spin of three-halves, so on and so forth. These particles obey the poly-exclusion principle. So Fermi-Dirac statistics is a type of quantum statistics uh, that applies to the physics of a system consisting of many identical particles that obey the Pauli exclusion principle. And the Pauli exclusion principle is the quantum mechanical principle, which states that two or more identical fermions, which is, again, particles with half integer spin, cannot occupy the same quantum state within a quantum system simultaneously.
1: Ah, uh, of course. <laughs>
0: This principle was formulated by Austrian physicist Wolfgang Pauli in 1925 for electrons, and later it was extended to all fermions. With uh spin statistics theorem of 1940. Can I explain what that means? Not really. But the Pauli exclusion principle uh, states that two or more identical fermions cannot occupy the same quantum state within a quantum system simultaneously. I'm just gonna leave it at that. So okay. that is what that is what fermions are. Fermions are any particle that follow that kind of principle and have statistics, uh, generally referring to their spin as one half or three halves or any odd half integer. The spin number describes how many symmetrical facets a particle has in one full rotation. Which again, like I can't really explain further than that. <laughs> But that's what that means. It's referring to the motion of a particle as it, as it spins. So the spin number describes how many symmetrical facets a particle has in one full rotation. So a spin of one half means that the particle must be rotated by f- two full turns before it has the same configuration as when it started.
1: Okay. It's,
0: it, it, that's extremely hard to visualize, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I obviously, this is an audio medium, so I can't, but, it ju- it has to go through full two full turns before it is in the same configuration as it started that's what a spin of one half means okay okay so those are fermions uh half integer spins those include quarks and antiquarks and leptons and antileptons so a quark trivia people love to ask about quarks
1: yeah you got that quarks question i did yeah,
0: in our episode, right? Because mm-hmm. it was cute. Yep. Yeah, um, it is a fundamental constituent of matter. Quarks combine to form composite particles called hadrons. So, if you know of like the Large Hadron Collider, a hadron is com- is comprised of multiple quarks. The most stable state of hadrons are protons and neutrons, which are in atomic nuclei. Uh, All commonly observable matter is composed of up quarks, down quarks, and electrons. So quarks have what are referred to as uh, six flavors. Mm -hmm. Up and down are two of them. Charm and strange. And then top and bottom. I'm not going to really get into what those mean. It's just important to remember there are six flavors, and they are paired. Up and down, charm and strange, top and bottom. The flavor they have refers to their mass and the process of particle decay. There's a lot to it. I'm not going to get into it because, honestly, for trivia purposes, we don't need to know. (laughs) (laughs) The quark model model was independently proposed by physicists Murray Gell-Mann and George Zweig in 1964. Uh, They were introduced as parts of an ordering scheme for hadrons. Uh, and there was little evidence for their physical existence until deep inelastic scattering experiments at the Stanford Linear Accelerator Center in 1968. And exp- accelerator experiments have provided evidence for all six flavors. So those are quarks. Those are the six flavors. They're also referred to in three uh, as three generations. So the first generation is up and down. Second generation is charm and strange. Third generation is top and bottom. Leptons... On the other hand, uh, they have electroweak interactions as opposed to quarks that have strong interactions. Um, this is referring to like fundamental forces, and I'm not going to get into fundamental forces either because <laughs> there's just so much. This is such a big thing. Obviously, like quantum physics is a huge thing, but leptons have electroweak interactions. Quarks have strong interactions. So leptons and antileptons also have three generations. The first generation is the electron and electron neutrino, which you may have heard of neutrinos in particle physics. Mm-hmm. Uh, second generation is muon and muon neutrino. So this is based on the um, like Greek letter mu. It has an electric charge of minus one E and a spin of one half, but with a much greater mass than a than a electron. There's also the muon neutrino. Uh, and then the third generation is tau or tau lepton or a tau on. It also has a negative electric charge, spin of one half. So the third generation is the tau lepton and um, the tau neutrino, uh, and they're all similar to electrons, the the muon and the tauon. So those are the those are the fermions. Fermions. Those are um, the matter particles. And then there are the anti quarks and anti leptons. Those are the antimatter versions. And again, I'm not going to get into antimatter, but it's the like equal and opposite version of a quark or a lepton. Uh, So those are are fermions. That's one half of the elementary particles. The other half are the elementary bosons. And they have integer spins. So fermions have half integer spin. Bosons have integer spin. Numbers written without a fractional component. Bosons are particles that follow Bose-Einstein statistics. And they were discovered by Satyendra Nath Bose, an Indian mathematician and physicist specializing in theoretical physics. The Bose-Einstein statistics describes one of two possible ways in which a collection of non-interacting, indistinguishable particles may occupy a set of available discrete energy states at thermodynamic equilibrium. So Bose-Einstein statistics talks about the like energy states of multiple non-interacting particles. Mm-hmm. In a system. There are two types of bosons, like I mentioned, gauge bosons and Higgs bosons, which are also known as scalar bosons. So gauge bosons, uh, their spin is equal to one or two, uh, and they are force carriers, which means they are like messenger particles or intermediate particles. They give rise to the forces between other particles. So these particles are bundles of energy, which are known as quanta which is where quantum physics comes from, uh, of a particular kind of field. So these like bosons, these gauge bosons, they like determine and affect the interactions of leptons and quarks. Mm-hmm. So there are four times four types of gauge bosons. A photon, which is dealing with electromagnetic interaction, W and Z bosons, uh which are known as together known as weak bosons or intermediate vector bosons. There are gluons, which have eight different types, and these are exchange particles for the strong force between quarks. Uh, And then gravitons, which is the hypothetical quantum of gravity. Hmm. We do not... We have not, like... Isolated a graviton? I I don't know the correct terminology for it. Discovered the graviton, but we, like, hypothesize it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so those are gauge bosons. Photon, W and Z bosons, uh, gluons, and gravitons. And then scalar bosons have a spin of zero, which means it's always the same. Okay. And so the only type we have of that is the Higgs boson, which is often referred to as the god particle um, because it deals with so many... Uh, basic very fundamental things it has zero spin no electric charge and no color change uh, it decays into other particles almost immediately and those are the elementary particles Oof. so i'm not i'm not gonna get there's so much there is so much stuff and a lot of numbers that are like not necessarily important and then this is all based in the standard model but if you get into string theory and the grand unified theory and supersymmetry and the acceleron theory and other things like that, they they uh, expound on the like this very basic standard model of having quarks and antiquarks, leptons and anti-leptons, gauge bosons and scalar bosons, to like go into specific cases where like, oh well this, this general hypothesis doesn't seem true based on this specific thing. So you can go deeper into those things. Mm-hmm. But I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> I'm gonna leave it at this. Your elementary particles, as a recap, two basic types, fermions, bosons. Fermions have half-integer spin, and they are separated into quarks and leptons, which each have their anti-version as well. Quarks have three generations, up-down, charm-strange, top-bottom. Leptons have three generations, electron and electron-neutrino, muon and muon-neutrino, tau and tau-neutrino. On the other side, bosons. There are gauge bosons, four kinds photons w and z gluons and gravitons and then scalar bosons which is the Higgs boson. Mm-hmm. And there we go.
1: All right. I can't claim to have understood very much of that.
0: I I it's it's like I, like reading this it was like I'm back in school where like I'm just I'm just accepting the thing the teacher is saying to me
1: mm-hmm. and
0: trying to put the words into my brain whether it really Connects with anything I understand or not?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. I, I, uh, I, I'm very much at the like I'll try to put those words in my brain kind of uh, approach to this because woof. Um, yeah. Well, as long as there isn't a quiz.
0: There is a quiz. Oh no! <laughs> but don't worry, you're starting with ten points. Okay. All right. So this quiz is not at all about elementary particles. It is simply dealing with the idea of element.
1: Okay.
0: Here we go. Question one. Lilu, Elsa, and Mati are all film and TV characters who could be described using what two-word ordinal phrase? Lilu is from a, uh, I believe, 1997 film, which also starred... Bruce Willis. Elsa, of course, uh, referring to the Ice Queen, but more likely in her sequel. And Motti, who was perhaps the least cool of the Planeteers.
1: Huh. I'm trying to figure it out. Two-word ordinal phrase. Ordinal like first, second, third, mm-hmm. etc. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Elsa, the Ice Queen, but more likely in the sequel. Ordinal phrase. I don't know, and I can't find the connection to element either. Um, huh. Yeah, I don't have anything. I'm I'm gonna. First lady is not correct, but I'll say that rather than leave it blank.
0: Oh no! It is it is the fifth element.
1: Oh, fifth element. Oh, yes, that yeah. absolutely makes sense. So,
0: Lilu is the name of the of Mila Jovovich.
1: Ah, uh, gotcha. In the, okay, in the
0: fifth element. Yep, the fifth also, element. Mm-hmm. In Frozen Two is basically the fifth element. Also, you know, because she has the four: yep. Earth, Wind, Fire, Water, and then Mati is the the planeteer whose power is Heart.
1: Right. Yes. So the other
0: the other kids get you know earth wind water and fire and and he gets heart. So
1: yeah,
0: uh, those would be the fifth element.
1: That was a that was a good quiz quiz question.
0: Thank you. Uh, question two. Speaking of the fifth element, their best known hit is a combination of two songs featured in the musical Hair. Of course, Age of Aquarius is the first part, but what is the name of the second song in that combo? The title. Uh, of the second part could refer to what you're doing when you open your shades
1: um I may not know this is it the phrase some it's something about let the light in or phrase let the sunshine in" is coming to mind also but it's like a children's song all right we're, we're going with let the light in oh I think you were trying to give me another hint
0: Ah, uh, it's let the sunshine in. Oh
1: no! Oh, I said the right thing and then changed it back to uh, the right. Oh All no! Right. So bad. Let
0: the sunshine. Yes. Um. So that that Age of Aquarius is the first part where there are multiple lines of lyrics, and then the second half is "Let the sunshine in," where they just sing "Let the sunshine in" for about six minutes. <laughs> um. Okay. Well, you have 10 points. You All still right, have ten points. 10 points. Question 3. This famous phrase, commonly used to mean an explanation is obvious or simple, never actually appeared in the written stories to which it is credited. It wasn't until films starring Basil Rathbone that it came into being.
1: Um, I'm assuming that it's got to be it's got to be uh, like elementary, my dear Watson. I'm guessing from from like Sherlock Holmes.
0: Yes, it is. Yes, the phrase "elementary, my dear Watson" does not appear anywhere in Conan Doyle's writings. He he uses the term "elementary" once or twice, uh, but not any more often than any other. Like he uses the term "superficial" uh, or just like simple or you know various explanations. But elementary. Yeah. That, that phrase being associated with uh, Sherlock Holmes didn't come around until the, the film era. Mm. So there you go. You got it. Yes. All right. Good. 20 points. Okay.
1: We're getting back on track here.
0: So here we go. Next question. Question four. The Element was a square-shaped modular interior SUV released by what automaker in December 2020? Don't. December 2002.
1: And it was released in what y- What year?
0: It was first released in 2002 and ceased production
1: in 2011. 2002 to 2011. I do not remember this. So...
0: For some totally predictable reason, it did not have the staying power that the Civic has.
1: Oh, that's Honda.
0: It is Honda, yes. Yes, the... Did you never see the... I don't know, maybe, maybe people didn't have them if you, like, lived in a more, like, densely populated city kind of oh, area.
1: I'm Googling it now.
0: It, it's, it oh! is it's a cube.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that that does actually look very familiar.
0: No, people had them out here quite a bit. Yeah, uh-huh. Because they were, like, a new thing. And, and like, I, one of the selling points was uh, the interior is all, like, made of, like, tough material. So if you go, you know mountain biking and you get the inside of your thing all muddy because you're transporting whatever, you just open it up and you can hose it out.
1: Oh. (laughs) It
0: it was a strange, it was an interesting concept.
1: Yeah. All right,
0: cool. So you are at 30 points. Going into question five. Elementary schools in the United States and around the world developed over time to the standardized system that we have today. Just a couple hundred years ago, we in the United States used the common school system. And in 1837, Massachusetts created the first state board of education and named which editor of the common school journal as its first secretary?
1: All right. Massachusetts, 1837? hmm Well, crap. Um... Uh Oh. My first thought was like, oh, like are we heading for one of the Adamses? But like no, I don't that's correct. Um All right. I'm uh, I'm going to guess Webster.
0: Uh no, it is oh. Horace Mann.
1: Oh, yes, we have talked about Horace Mann. Ugh. Oh. All right, this is going poorly. I should have known that one. All right. Oh, well, it's okay.
0: All right, you're at 30 points, and we're going into the final. This <laughs> this probably isn't going to help, but the category I have is elements.
1: <laughs> Great. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I have a feeling I'm going to zero. Well, you know what? Let's, let's hold one back. I'm going to wager 29.
0: Okay. <laughs> okay. Who was the Russian chemist who created the periodic law, which led to the formulation of the periodic table of elements? I always get it mixed up with the monk with the peas.
1: Right. Yes. It's not Mendel. It's Mendeleev.
0: It is Mendeleev. Dmitry Mendeleev. Yes, that is correct.
1: (laughs) Thank you for saying that about the monk and the peas, because, oh boy. (laughs)
0: Well, even even when I say it, I'm like, but it, but which one was the monk?
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I was like,
0: gotta remember which one was the monk with the peas.
1: Yeah, uh,
0: yeah. All right, nice. All okay, right. so Same you, you got face to fifty
1: nine. There we That's go. That's not bad. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I can like sort of anticipate where you're, what direction you're heading, and I just was not doing it today. Um, That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was fun. Well, thank you for a for a great deep dive and quiz, and thank, thank you, you, listeners. You so lovely to uh to spend this time uh with with you uh, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts leave a rating or review if you would be so kind if you want to check out our patreon it's patreon.com potent potables and if you have friends who like jeopardy or podcasts or jeopardy and podcasts you can let them know about us
0: yeah you can all find us on Facebook at potent potables on Twitter at potent potables one Our email address is potentpodablescast at gmail.com, and our website is potentpod.com. And we will be back next week with another week of Jeopardy recaps and a deep dive and quiz. So until then, may your minds be quick and your buzzers be quicker.